Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, January 19th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page XXX, the fifth paragraph down, which begins all these and many others. Um, Today's readers are Raz R. on the 12 Steps, Felicia D. on the 12 Traditions, and reading the text are Lauren S., Vinga P., and Janice B. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, Wednesday, January 18th, is 9492, and our newcomer greeter today is Lisa B., OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Roz R. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Press star one, Roz. We don't hear you. Kathy Kay, this is Melanie. I can do that if she's not there. Thank you, Melanie. Please go ahead. You're welcome. Melanie C. calling in from Oregon today, recovered compulsive overeater, the 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 
10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Melanie C. And um, let's see, Felicia D., would you please read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous? Yes. Can you hear me? I can. Good. Okay. Good morning. This is Felicia D. Here are the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprises. enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. <clears throat> Excuse me. Seven, Every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible, responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. And 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, TV, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Felicia D. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, and then we stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. 
there is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page XXX, the fifth paragraph down, that begins all these and many others. And I will ask Lauren S. to read two paragraphs and comment on both. Lauren S., press star one to unmute. Hi, can I be heard? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, all these and many others have one symptom in common. It cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy, which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. Much has been written pro and con, but among physicians, the general opinion seems to be that most chronic alcoholics are doomed. Um, my name's Lauren S. I'm a compul recovered compulsive overeater in New York City. Um, this um, paragraph continues to hit home that I am bodily different from normal people. Um, just like somebody who has a peanut allergy has a very different reaction to peanuts, I have a completely different reaction from normal people when it comes to my, my binge foods, my binge ingredients. And... Um, it's something that I just know it's never it's never going to be eradicated. Um, it's never going to be changed. I'm never going to learn how to eat um, certain foods um, that trigger the phenomenon of craving in me. Um, just like somebody who has an allergy um, to peanuts that you know makes their throat close up, they're never going to learn how to eat peanuts. Um, I to I'm totally unable to do anything about it. And, um, you know, it says here, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And, of course, if I stop ingesting the food that creates this insatiable desire for more, I'm not going to get um, this phenomenon anymore. And, and, you know, when I came into this program, I was, I was pretty skeptical about this. Um, when my sponsor talked about entire abstinence and, um, you know, being entirely 100% abstinent from the things that, um, that, uh, triggered this craving. And, um, I was so desperate. I was willing to give it a shot and it was so amazing because I no longer had that sensation that my, my body was like 
this car that was out of control and was just driving off a cliff and I, I couldn't stop um, putting the things into my mouth. It really was gone. That craving was gone. And I could tell that I knew the, you know, the thing that I had changed was that I was now entirely abstinent. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I love that the, this, this, I love that this chapter teaches us this, key thing are the physical aspect of our disease and I'm really grateful for that information it just completely changed my life and was the beginning of of my healing from this disease um and with that I'll pass thank you thank you Lauren S who would like to share on these two paragraphs this is Bella can I share Roz Okay, let me tell you what I have. Um, I I know I didn't get everybody, but I have Harlan G, Bella G, Larry K, Roz R, Lisa B, and Kim G. Is there anyone else? Kathy C. Who Kathy F. Kathy C. Sue L. Was it? Do L. Do L. I'm sorry, do. Do L. And. Tina. There was not Lisa B. I did not speak up. Oh, sorry, Lisa. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Um, it's Lisa B. Gonna, B from New York. Lisa gonna, B. From, oh, Lisa B. from New York. So I did hear right. her. Right. There's another Lisa B. <laughs> okay. Great. Okay. So here's what I have. Harlan G, Bella G, Larry K, Roz R, Lisa B from New York, Kim G, Kathy C, Du L, and Tina S. That's a long list. Let's begin with Harlan G. Thanks, Kathy. Good morning. Uh, Harlan G, recovered compulsive overeater from Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard okay? Yes, you can, Harlan. Oh, good. Thanks, Kathy, and thanks to Team Thursday. From the time I was about five years old, people started saying to me very, very rudely, very obnoxiously, with a finger in my face that said, if you had willpower, you should be able to just eat one piece of cake like the other boys. You should be able to push yourself away from the table. You should this and you shouldn't do that. And I finally got the message that there was something wrong with me because I could do none of those things. I couldn't eat just one piece of cake unless that cake was roughly the size of Illinois. And maybe then I would eat Wisconsin too. I knew that there was something wrong with me and all I wanted to do was eat, but all I wanted to be was thin. And I kept waiting for that day. I kept waiting for that event. I kept waiting for that situation where maybe one day I could eat like other people, age 30. The persistence of this illusion is astonishing. Many pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. We learned that we had to fully conceive to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. This is the first step in recovery. The delusion, what's a delusion? Something that appears real but is not. What's an illusion? Illusion is something that appears real but is not. Look at the imagery of the big book here. That we are like other people are presently maybe has to be smashed. 
we alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. I could go on, but I won't for the sake of time. I was doomed, and I did not want to live in this world. I didn't fit in my skin. I didn't fit in my clothes. I didn't fit in my desk. I didn't fit into the world. And I knew that there was no way I was going to stop eating because I tried with all my might and I couldn't. There is a solution. Now, today is Founders Day. Today is the day that Overeaters Anonymous started in 1960. The very first meeting of Overeaters Anonymous took place on this date in Los Angeles, California, on October, on January 9th, October, on January 19th, 1960, I'm going to honor that day by remembering that there is a solution. And the only solution is through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and through Overeaters Anonymous. And I have not compulsively overeaten in over 18 years, and I have done so happily. The thing that I was waiting for is the blue book I'm holding in my hands the book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And when I follow what it says, I follow the dictates of a higher power. The desire to compulsively overeat is just not there. And I'm alive today. And I'm not doomed. And it's not my fault. I didn't cause this. I can't control this. I can't cure this. It's not my fault. I have an illness. And the illness has a remedy And the remedy is the spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Bella G., please go ahead. Good morning. Thank you, Katie, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. The only relief, thank you, God, that I came to the program Because before the program, I did believe that something is wrong only with me. Because this is what I heard, and this is what I believed, that if only I would have the willpower to be like everybody else. And this that I am overweight and I am not losing weight is only because of me. Because I don't have the willpower. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I came to the program and I understand that I am a compulsive overeater, and my disease is three ways. It's an allergy in the body, it's an obsession of the mind, and it's my blockage in my connection with the higher power that I called him God. And yes, for, for the level of my physical body, of the allergy in the body, yes, thank you, God. I have an allergy of my alcoholic food, and as soon as I eat them, as soon as I put them in my mouth, this is how it goes. I continue. I have the obsession in the mind that I cannot stop. And yes, the only solution for the allergy in the body is to to stay abstinent, to stay completely abstinent, 
to figure it out what are my alcoholic food and not to put them in my mouth. And this is my recovery. This is how, how I, I started to live again. Thank you for letting me share and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Larry Kay, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Um, thanks for your service, Kathy. Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, I'm going to speak to the to this notion of a symptom. You know, it says <clears throat> it says that um, you know we have this 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 symptom. You know, that, what is a symptom? Well, it's a, it's a physical or mental feature um, that is regarded as a condition of this disease. It's a it's a manifestation. It's in other words, it's a sign of the existence of this disease. And you and I, if indeed we are afflicted with this disease. We cannot start eating without developing this phenomenon of craving, this intensification for more. And it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, we've heard it said it's a, it's a biological command. You are biologically wired to eat. And unless you can experience an entire spiritual restructuring, a psychic change, a total internal overhaul, that incidentally, you, you cannot effectuate yourself. In other words, you, you don't. God, God puts it in force. You do not. And that's been my experience. If you can't do that, you are doomed forever. You will die of this disease, period. Exclamation point, the end. Now, that's the definition of powerless. You know, of your own power, you can't do it. And here's the prognosis. You're dead on arrival if you're powerless. you got to cry. Might as well cry Uncle Larry. Stop trying to save yourself, because if you have this thing, what makes you think that you're more clever than the procession of thoughts before you, as it talks about in the big book, those were drunks, that were just as smart as you, had as much self-knowledge, had all perhaps the intellectual abilities, and they took them to their grave. You know, what is it about us humans that we're so tethered to false pride and ego that we think we can outsmart history? and figure out an easier, softer way. But here's the hope, only a spiritual awakening. That means then that, that rather than flailing about in the quicksand, you know, you flail about in the quicksand, you'll go down quicker. I have to be pulled from the muck. I have to be saved. And it's these steps, this practical program of action that we see through in sequence that pulls me, that brings me into alignment with God, and God pulls me from that quicksand. I cannot pull myself from it. I have to be pulled from it. I flail about, I go down faster. These steps, though, have transformed me. God did for me what I could not do for myself. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. <clears throat> Rods R., please go ahead. Uh, Kathy, can I be heard? Yes, you can. Thank you. I'm so sorry what happened before. My phone would not let me unmute. So <laughs> uh, anyway, let me just set my timer. Um, thank you for your service, Kathy, and for allowing me to share. Um, I'm Roz R., and I'm in Florida, and I'm recovering um, from compulsive overeating and hope one day to say, be able to say recovered. But I am experiencing amazing things. Um, these two paragraphs, uh, are outstanding as every paragraph is in this book. Um, but um, 
the hardest thing for me has been to look back right now and say, oh, my God, I came into these rooms 35 years ago, and I've heard people say, you know, they were stark raving, raving abstinent. And, yes, that has been me um, with many good things in between and, and my weight loss and all that. But <clears throat> until I actually started working, you know, with um, sponsor and really understanding this disease as a disease and understanding uh, what it means to have alcoholic foods and then to put them down um, because in my brain I have always felt different than everyone else. I've always put myself above above what everyone else has, that I'm different. I can go long periods of time without eating it, uh, these certain foods. Or if I'm in a good space, you know, then I can have these particular foods. And I never understood. I just... I, w- I was abstinent, and I was never at peace. And, you know, when it says here, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And people who've talked to me in the beginning know how defiant I've been and know that I was going to do the yes but until my grave. Um, and it wasn't even my weight that has taken me down. It has been the emotional pain that has put me in, that has led me to finally realize uh, that it is the only relief entire abstinence and by doing that not only do I have and I'm experiencing even though I am not recovered and I have not done all the steps yet I am I am experiencing um, ease and comfort in my life Um, and it is letting God be in the driver's seat is like the most amazing thing after I took that first step I've shared before I felt a change I've never experienced it being other than what had happened that day and I, I am so blessed that life has been happening to me like I cannot believe. Um, just the, the, most, the most amazing things, the most amazing people. But the, the most impressive thing that I'm experiencing is I am changing inside the way I experience life, the way I experience people, and I have not done it. I have not made this happen. And I know I couldn't have done this. Um, and unless I experienced it, I wouldn't have believed it. And now I'm a believer. Um, I am so grateful for, for what I have. I'm so grateful for the fellows that I speak to and for the fellows that I hear sharing and for my sponsor and for the sponsors that came before my sponsor because everyone gave me so much. Anyway, for, um, thank you for letting me share. And um, Thank you, Roz. Our Lisa B. from New York, please go ahead. Hi, this is Lisa B. from New York. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for your service. Um, The thing that comes to mind when I read this is uh, it says that the physicians were all in agreement that we were doomed. And what comes to mind to me is today if I went to a physician and he said there's no cure, I would believe him, go home, and prepare to die. And that's not what happened in 1960. In 1960, we got our answer. And I'm just so grateful um, for the people that did not listen to that voice that said you're doomed and found some hope um, in the 12 steps and in this big book and brought it to us um, because with this program, I am doomed. I am doomed. And uh, I I went to uh, World Service... um, in Boston, I don't know, I think that was four or five months ago, and um, I had less than a month of abstinence, and I I got the gift of desperation, and um, I got a sponsor that took me through the big book, 
And I'm, I'm just so grateful for that because today I don't have that cane that I was walking around with. And, um, I, I'm, I don't have the cravings and the compulsions because, um, I found my answer in the big book with all of you. And I'm just so grateful for this phone call and, and all of you. So thank you for attending this call every day and sharing your knowledge and, and, and helping me. I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Kim G., please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. This immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate. What is this? This is the idea of entire abstinence. You know, back in the 1930s, there was a movement called the Temperance Societies because they didn't believe the problem was that these guys drank. The problem is they get drunk. So if we can teach them to, you know, just have a beer after dinner or just have a shot of whiskey, then everything would be okay. You know, unfortunately, I think that's still true with us today. Everyone thinks the solution, because they think our problem is our weight, the solution is to learn how to moderately eat. You know, unfortunately, I hear people who are in rehab that people get their weight stable, you know, and that means either they're gaining weight if they're underweight or they're losing weight if they're overweight or maybe they're bulimic and they're not, they're not binging and purging anymore. And then what they do is they try to get them to moderately eat all food. There's a, a trend now called mindful eating, intuitive eating. I have to know who I am. That might work for other people, the moderate eater, the heavy eaters. But the real compulsive overeater is the only solution, the only thing they can suggest is entire absence because of my allergy of the body. And what makes me sad is this is not only outside of OA that we hear this. There are meetings and groups and sects of Overeaters Anonymous that believe that we can just moderately eat, that these steps will teach us how to moderately eat our binge foods. That is a, a sentence to death for the real compulsive overeater. Do you know that there are 17 12-step programs besides Overeaters Anonymous that address food? That's the seething cauldron of debate. You know, we have a, a fellowship that is blessed and challenged that we have different binge foods. We have different binge ingredients and maybe different binge behaviors. But once we identify them, we have the same definition of abstinence, which is to put them all down, and then we have one solution, which is to work through the steps. And even within Overeaters Not, we have many sects. And what are we all divided on? The food. We define abstinence differently. We define the food differently. With the best of intentions, nothing is done in a mean way. But I just think we have to know that the fact that abstinence is the same for everybody, but what we have to put down might be individual to everybody. You know, I often hear, too, that they think that a vision for you is a separate program. We are not. We're just getting back to the basics that, that the problem is allergy of the body, obsession of the mind. The solution is the 12 steps. In fact, if you talk to many people individually in, in, on this meeting, they belong to the many sects of OA. We should support and celebrate how people are asking, whether they have to be more structured, less structured. We are united on the idea that entire abstinence is the ticket in the door, and the solution is the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Uh, Kathy C., please go ahead. Kathy, press star one to unmute. 
Hi, good morning. This is Kathy C. from Montreal. Do you hear me now? I do. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. My name is Kathy C. I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Montreal. Um, the doctor's opinion uh, reveals so much to, to me, and uh, when I lead uh, my sponsees, um, you know, uh, with the, in the, working the 12 steps, um, it, it's, uh, it wasn't as obvious as it is now that I am recovered, but I find more and more uh, information, more and more promises, more and more uh, truth and in the doctor's opinion, I'm, I had to identify that in order for me to go on with the steps, in order for me to, um, to, to find recovery, to get recovery, is I had to abstain. And, and abstain is to not uh, engage in eating. And not only the, the food, but the food behaviors. Um, I was also very obsessive you know, thinking that I needed the food, thinking that that compulsive eating, the action of compulsively eating would give me that relief. And that was my real, real problem. Um, had I not abstained from the ingredients food at the very beginning, I would have never have, have you know, zoned in and, and identified that, my gosh, my real problem is that I want to compulsively eat. I need to compulsively eat. How do I stop from it? I might not have the craving of the ingredient food, but it's the action I wanted to engage in, the emotional part that I did not abstain from or I did not recover from. There is the recovery because being just abstinent alone, and we've heard it many times, is like just being on a diet, but being really uncomfortable, still crazy inside, and just on the edge of your seat, and and I find my defects keep coming up over and over again. Of course, because I am untreated, I'm not able to stay in myself, with myself, with these emotions. I don't know what to do. But I remembered my, that 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 memory of of what the eating will do for me. It will bring me a little bit of relief, saying, "You're okay. You're okay. It's going to be okay. Take some of this." So my tension, my anxiety would drop, and then I'd be able to, to just be okay with things around me, not necessarily finding, you know, resolving anything in my real life because they would keep coming up again over and over again. And this is a cycle I was in. And this is why I needed the program to continue on, not only abstain from the food. That's, that's just like 5%. It's what am I supposed to do now? because I don't have any more that action. Now my action is the 12 step. I pray, I meditate, I speak with others, I help others, I'm there in general, just life is just different now. I'm not focused or, or afraid of just being. That was my biggest problem, that, that is the obsession of the mind and that is the physical allergy um, and the psychic change that we're looking for is in working the steps. It's practice, practice going on, continuing. Um, and that's it. I have, that's all I have for today. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Kathy C. Do L, please go ahead. Good morning. This is Do do from a recover compulsive overreader from New York. Um, and I um, absolutely love these paragraphs because it, it's telling me right here. It says, you know, um, you know you're not terminally unique. Um, if you're an addict, 
Uh, it doesn't matter if you're an alcoholic. It doesn't matter if you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter if you're depressive. It doesn't matter if you have mental health issues. It doesn't matter um, if you're a compulsive eater. You all have one thing in common. You can't, uh, you can't start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. You can't stop eating without developing the phenomenon of craving. You can't stop doing anything addictive because you have this symptom, you know, and, and it says it's an allergy. It's something that has to do physically with me. And then it says, you know, that um, the only thing that I'm terminally unique on is that I'm not like a normal eater. That's the only time I become terminally unique is that I'm not like a normal eater, you know. But when it comes to program people, um, I'm very much in common with them. And it says here that, you know, <clears throat> that there's immediately precipitates us into a seething cauldron of debate of what? Entire abstinence, you know, because people think that, you know, that this is a joke, you know, that, that you know, I could play around with my binge foods, that I could play around, you know, I could be a quarter abstinent, or I could be 50% abstinent, or I could be 75% abstinent, because I've given up three of my binge foods, but I'm keeping these two. I'm holding these two on because I'm not going to let them go. And they're saying here, you know what, if you play that game, if you're the real deal, if you're the real compulsive eater, that's not going to work because it says this disease will beat you into a state of reasonableness. It will beat you because it says alcoholics are doomed. If you have what I have, you can't be halfway abstinent. You can't be a quarter. You can't even be 10%. Okay? You can't be even 99% abstinent. You, be, you have to be 100% abstinent for this to work. You know? And that's what this is talking about. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And it needs to be permanently eradicated, not through my own self-efforts, because it will never be permanently eradicated, but I have a relief, a spiritual relief called the 12 steps and connection with a higher power. So um, I hope people are paying attention because I, I love what Kim said. You know, there's a, there's a lot of sex out there, and, and um, we, need to be, we need to be together in entire abstinence because that's what divides our, our fellowship is that we're not unified on entire abstinence. And with that, I pass. Thank you, uh, Du L. And Tina S., please go ahead. Thanks, Kathy, uh, for your service. Tina S., uh, Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. What a fabulous meeting. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff. And, and thanks again for the reminder that today is Founders Day. Um, this program gave, gives me a life today, one day at a time. And you know, just part of my story, I was sober uh, almost eight years and was dying. So and when I came into Overeaters Anonymous, I have an opportunity one day at a time to really really do the deal. So, uh, wow, some great stuff in this paragraph, you know, and, you know, it just fits me to a T. You know, I cannot stop compulsively eating once I start. And I can't stop from starting. On my own, I can't do this thing. You know, I cannot do it. I have that manifestation, which is just simply a symptom you know, of the allergy, which is an abnormal reaction. And I love what was shared. I can uh, make that be anything, booze, sex, 
uh, drugs, food, shopping, whatever it is, anything that that takes me away from uh, dealing with me, you know. And, and the only solution for me is entire abstinence. And um, you know, and I can't do that on my own. Let me just tell you, I cannot. You know, I had to come to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity, and you know, continue on with these steps. And you know, and I just want to touch a little bit on this next paragraph because it certainly. For me, I have the interpretation that this is more for alcoholics, that, you know, that uh, physicians, their opinion seems that the chronic alcoholics are doomed. Because, I, you know, sad to say, and unfortunately, I work for a physician, and there are, and it's already been said, there are many, many solutions out there for people that who believe they have a weight problem. But if you are the compulsive eater of the type that I am, and you have tried everything else, and it has not worked for you, please try this. It saves my life one day at a time. It saves my life. And you're not always going to get that information from a provider. You know? And if you work for a provider or you're doing some service work, I certainly suggest you take this information to your provider. I have done that. And I've gotten several people who have called me because my provider suggested maybe this will work. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. We have time for maybe four more shares. Who would like to share? Nessa R. Monica S. T. Leah M. Renee C. Okay, that's it. Leah M. and Renee C. So I have Nessa R., Monica T., Leah M., and Renee C. Please go ahead, Nessa. Uh, Nessa, we can't hear you. Hello, can you hear me now? Yes, now I can hear you. Oh, okay, I, was, I guess I was muted uh, automatically, I don't know. So, uh, good morning, uh, it's Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. I, I came into the rooms of OA in 2003, uh, weighing almost 200 pounds on a small five foot one frame. Uh, I came in defeated and ashamed. Ashamed because I felt like a mental defective. I knew, I knew that there was something wrong with me because I had, I had seen many people in my life, people close to me, people who were fatter than me, people who ate worse than me, not only take the weight off but keep it off. And yet I had been totally unable for decades. There were times where I did take weight off but it only lasted until, until the wedding, until I was able to fit into that dress, until the event, whatever. And then, you know, three seconds later, it was climbing up again. Um, and I spent nine years in the rooms of OA without any recovery whatsoever. Um, I learned in those nine years that, there's, that perfect abstinence is impossible, that it's okay to be imperfectly abstinent, to have a sloppy abstinence. I learned about legal binges. Uh, and of course, um, I didn't recover. There was no weight loss to speak of. There was no recovery of any kind to speak of. Um, the only reason I didn't leave was because if I left, I knew that I, there would be like another 200 pounds out there waiting for me. And by the grace of God, at least in the rooms, I wasn't gaining any weight. But I was living in low-grade misery. And, you know, with my first meeting, I learned that there's nothing really wrong with me, that I have a disease. And that took a weight off of my mind, like, oh, 
feel, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not a moral defective. I'm not a failure. Um, but in those nine years of struggle, I started feeling the same way again. And I started to feel that I was one of those who were constitutionally incapable. But what I didn't know is that um, I was subject to a craving beyond my mental control. And because of that, if I had any um, minuscule amount of my trigger ingredients, trigger foods in me, then I just had to keep eating. And the food plans that I, 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 I was operating under ensured that that was the case because I never completely eliminated my binge foods. You know, I said, okay, sugar is, my, is one of my binge ingredients. So if it doesn't have sugar in the first five ingredients, I'm okay. And I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't understand about the, the, the allergy of the body, about the phenomenon of craving. And it wasn't until uh, about five, five and a half, six years ago that I, I, I was thoroughly taught this doctor's opinion and the true nature of my disease. And then my sponsor said, you know, if you're allergic to sugar, it doesn't matter if sugar is in the hundredth ingredient, you cannot have it. And, you know, what I had learned that it's not possible to be entirely abstinent, well, I was wrong. I was taught wrong because now I am entirely abstinent. I don't consume any um, of my binge ingredients, my binge foods. I don't in, um, engage in any of my binging behaviors. And that was the starting point of my recovery. You know, on that basis of entire abstinence, I was able to recover. Uh, and it is possible for anyone who is doubting it out there. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Monica T., please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So here we are. We're studying the doctor's opinion, Dr. Silkworth's opinion. He treated over 50,000 alcoholics. And what is he trying to hammer home here? He's telling me, and this is the third time that I can see, and there's maybe more, that he's bringing up this physical aspect of my disease, this, that there is a physical aspect to this disease, because I was always thought it was a moral issue or a mental issue, you know, and he said no, and this is, and he's making, he's trying to get it really clear to you. Monica, you are different. You cannot ingest any of your allergic foods, because if you do, you will set off the craving for more. And then you're on that roller coaster of more, 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 and who knows when and if you will get off. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomena, this experience, you know, he's telling us it's an allergy. I have an abnormal reaction to certain foods. And he goes on to say, and I didn't like reading this, there's never been any treatment that we know of that will permanently eradicate, permanently remove this abnormal reaction, this allergy that I have to certain foods. Wasn't real good news for Monica here. And then he goes on to say the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. I had to get this through my little wee brain that I am allergic 
to certain foods, you know? What's my history? Monica, when you look back, what happens when you have this? Duh. Well, you got to put it down because you're allergic to this. You know, and there's lots of other good things out there you can eat. And this is the third warning here that I can see in this chapter so far from Dr. Silkworth that is telling me complete abstinence. I cannot eat that allergic food in any way, shape, or form because it will set off the allergy, the phenomenon of craving, and off I go. And um, anyway, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica T. Leah M., please go ahead. Thank you very much. It has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated, completely removed is another way to define that. You know, and this is an understanding uh, that had to be beaten into me um, until I was basically a bloody pulp because I kept testing my personal control. I didn't realize that I was biologically mandated, that I was physically wired in this way. You know, my very cells demanded to be satisfied beyond my ability to control it. And, you know, no one attends AA thinking that, uh, you know, he can continue drinking while working the steps. You put the plug in the jug and you work the steps. What about an Overeaters Anonymous? I did not appreciate this education that the big book is talking to me about, about the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. I had to do anything I could to stop the craving. I had to stop the craving, and the only way to stop the craving is to stop eating the foods that caused that craving for me in the first place. So, you know, I had to identify with the help um, of someone in whom the problem had been solved and who also had an appreciation for this, you know, to make a list and abstain from my individual binge foods, my individual binge ingredients, abstain from my individual binge eating behaviors, which were the foods that I kept running to first for comfort, what were the foods that I kept trying to control, what were the foods that I were constantly trying to negotiate. I had to understand and concede to my innermost self that I am bodily different. I am set apart from other people. I am bodily and mentally, but bodily different, and I had to accept that in my deepest core. But, but isn't that, you know, that resistance, isn't that uh, what an addiction is all about? I mean, if someone has cancer, they accept that they have cancer. If someone is blind, they accept that they are blind. If someone is crippled, they are, accept their condition. The difference is people who have cancer accept that. I was acting like a compulsive overeater, looked like a compulsive overeater, had a history of compulsive overeating, yet my mind said, I'm not really compulsive overeater, therefore I do not have to do the things that you are suggesting until my disease beat me to a pulp. And on January 19th, 1987, I crawled my way into a 12-step facility uh, because some of us need to be hospitalized because it was imperative that I be cleared so that I could begin implementing these 12 steps of recovery, which was going to attend to my greater aspect of my disease, the obsession of the mind. And I'm grateful 30 years ago today that uh, that rebirth began. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Leah M. And Renee C., you'll be our last share today. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Good morning, all fellow visionaries. This is Renee C. from outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a grateful recovering compulsive overeater. I love reading this. I mean, I could share on every single word, which we don't have time for, but I wanted to address the phenomenon of craving and then the manifestation of an allergy, which differentiates us and sets us apart as a distinct entity. You know, I grew up in a home where parents had not had food uh, when they were in Europe. And so the philosophy in my home was clean your plate, eat everything. They're starving children in India. I never did understand that connection. But what I did understand was that somehow food was love. And I carried that into my adult life for many, many, many years before I came into Overeaters Anonymous. I'm so grateful today that we're reading this because I, too, have the only relief that is suggested, being that being entire abstinence. That does not mean that I delve into foods that I know are trigger foods that I know are my alcoholic foods. That doesn't mean that I dabble in them. That doesn't mean that I rationalize that it's okay to have just one because just one leads to way too many. And those of us who are real compulsive eaters like me know that that is true if we are willing to concede to our innermost selves. And I am so grateful because... um, Chronic alcoholics are doomed. I certainly felt doomed for many years. And uh, today I have hope and I have the blessing and the gift of recovery. And I owe that all to my higher power, to the 12 steps, to the Fellowship of Overeaters Anonymous, and to this wonderful, incredibly powerful meeting called The Vision for You. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Renee C., Thank you, everyone, who has shared. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close the meeting with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. Vinga P., would you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Yes. Good morning, Kathy, and thank you, every thank you, Kathy, and thank you, everyone on the line. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask Him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but. Obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.